Hey, this is Eddie Olchek. You're listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mac, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 99 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes. I'm going to cross, woof, toss it across the screen. You do that 99 times, and you know, you're bound to fumble one of them. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host for the 99th time, Nick Manella. What's going on, buddy? Dude, that is nuts to think about, but yeah, no worries. Everyone, you know, fumbles a breakout pass here and there. I did that, you know, more than my fair share, so it's all good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, man. You know, just, uh, enjoying my glorious Monday post Michigan, Michigan state football game. I've got a game, hell of a game did not look like it was going to go very well for my household at the beginning, but, uh, fortunately what I've seen over the last 10 years is just true. It's that Michigan cannot beat Michigan state when John Harbaugh is their coach, Jim. Yeah. Whichever Harbaugh I like one. (laughs) I hate the other one. I should know that. No, I, I hear you. Um, yeah, that was a hell of a game. I was uh, worrying that you were going to stroke out, you know, mid mid game there. So close there for a little we, bit. Yeah, it's good to see that we got you uh, here on Monday. Speaking of football, not to turn this subject, but how about the Bengals dropping to the Jets? Huge loss. Yep. Great, great for the Ravens. Big um, old so, kick in the dick for me, though. Yeah, yeah, that that. Carson Wentz is not good at football. I'm just going to say it. Um, no. I, I'm sure you already know that, but some of those interceptions were extremely questionable. No, and I just met the Bengals dropping that game to the Jets. It's like when I was setting up my, you know, perfectly titled can't miss football parlay for the 1 p.m. games. I was like, well, there's no way the Jets are going to win today. And of course, because they're the Jets, when yeah. you bet them to win, they lose. And when you bet them to lose, they win. Yeah, that's just how it works. I thought you were alluding to the Colts because I'm sure. Oh that no, you that saw... was just an, an atrocious quarterback performance, in my opinion. But are are you? Would you say Colts are still your your main team, or you've Jim Ursay has done? And some it's. I'm glad you asked this because someone brought this up to me at a, a wedding I was at last weekend. Jim Ursay has done everything in his power to make me want to dislike this team. He brought in Philip Rivers, who I actively have hated for like 15 years. And if that wasn't good enough, he went out and got the quarterback. I despise the next amount, which was Carson Wentz. So, right. So, because I have people ask me sometimes, you know, when they're listening or they just get to, you know, know who the co hosts are, they're like, oh, like, are they Ravens fans? I'm like, well, I think Nick is, but it's not his main team. But yeah, I think think you can say that at this point. I think you're getting there. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Like when they played on Monday night, who'd you root for? Did you? Honestly, I don't want to sound like Rob Lowe, but I sat down with like just hope both teams play well. Yeah, I just wanted to see a good game on Monday night. Is that too okay. much to ask? No, I'll respect it. I appreciate the honesty. But uh yeah, episode 99, uh, kind of crazy. We probably would have hit it sooner if it weren't for uh the pandemic when we took a little pause there. <clears throat> but yeah, uh next episode's a big one. So we got some big announcements. Uh, next episode, we are going to have some fun segments, uh, kind of to celebrate what we're what, what we've done, where we're going, what we're doing. Um, so I don't should I spoil it or should I save it for what they can expect in the episode? Go ahead and spoil it. Okay, so 
I figured we thought this would be cool, and I can't believe we still have the, the footage of this. I shouldn't say footage. There's no video, but it's all audio. So back in what, August of 2019? Just about. I mean, it was like August 2nd, I think. It was like first yeah. week in August 2019, um, you know, before we officially published our first episode. I think Nick was going away and I was going away, and we didn't launch our first episode until. Um, September of 2019. But in August, we met up in Nick's kitchen at his old apartment and we basically made a pact. We were like, okay, if this sounds decent, we'll do it. And if it doesn't, maybe we'll practice or we'll just say, fuck it. It wasn't meant to be or whatever. So we did a 10, 10, I think 15 minute demo. Yeah. Start to finish. Yeah. Of power ranking like the top 20 NHL centers based on what NHL network gave Never recorded before together ever. First run. It sounds funny. Uh, we've definitely come a long way. And man, has Braden Point gotten a lot better in those rankings since then? Yeah, that one <laughs> did not age well. Um, no. <laughs> the fact that like we highlight, I think, multiple times, if I can remember two years back correctly, that we said that we did not think he belonged in the top 10. But yeah, that's obviously changed it, uh, you know, two years later. But we'll put that at the end of next episode. Just Figured it would be kind of cool for you guys to hear where it all started and how much better it's gotten. How much I think, I hope. <laughs> Maybe it's gotten <laughs> I would worse. Hope so who knows? But um, that'll be on the next episode. We're also going to be doing a giveaway on Instagram. Be on the lookout for that. We're going to be giving away some uh, merch, some brackish life shit. Um, we're going to be doing that in the next week. So just keep an eye out for that for our hundredth episode celebration. Not sure if we're having like a a celebration yet. We're working on some things. Might stuff's in the work uh if it yeah. progresses and we can let people know we will yeah if that does happen we'll know in the next week or so so we'll let everybody know uh and i do want to announce that when this episode goes up uh our instagram post will be published by then we just launched new fall merch uh so our fall merch drop is now live we have four new items they're awesome uh, we've been working on them since July. So, you know, we've been <laughs> working on this for a while at this point. They have been on the store for a little bit. So if you've checked out the store, they're already up. But um, this is our formal announcement that, hey, you can go buy, uh, get it while the supply chain issues aren't fucking horrible. Well, they are horrible, but until they get seriously, worse. though, get it while you can. Uh, that stuff's it, you know, much like the summer stuff, it's not going to be up there forever. And uh, some more cool stuff will be coming towards the end of November as well. Yeah. So big things coming and uh, we appreciate all the support. You know, obviously we wouldn't be putting in this much effort if we hadn't gotten this much support 99 episodes in. So it, we really do appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. This is a lot of fun and we don't plan on stopping. So uh, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, quick question of the day for you, since we are sans Mac this episode, what was the best Halloween costume you saw this Halloween weekend? And what was the best one you you think you've ever seen? Yeah. I f- before I answer that, I forgot Mac is not, uh, he's not able to record at the time slot that we had to choose. So um, we'll be out. We'll be without him for this one, but he'll be back for the next one. Uh, switching gears, Halloween best costume I saw. Hmm. Can I let you go first? Yeah, sure. I don't, it's kind of hard to say the best one I saw. I didn't really like go out or walk around much. I saw someone dress up as, uh, this is just on social media, but I saw someone dress up as like Zuckerberg and they, they're like, their face was just completely white. That one was really funny. Um, 
I felt like every couple this year was either Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly or Travis Barker <laughs> and whichever Kardashian Courtney, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't what did know. You go as I didn't even see anything. I didn't dress up this year. You didn't? No. Did you see what I did? Yes. Yours was good. Yeah, well, I appreciate Mr. Rick Rally sending the repost for us. Uh, that was appreciated as always. I was uh, Austin Matthews whipped out the white St. Pat's jersey, and then Layla obviously went as the the Stanley Cup. We got a lot of compliments on that. That we actually weren't the only ones who did that either. I saw like two other ones out that did that. Nice. Um, best cut. I don't know if I nothing really stands out to me for things I saw in person. To be honest with you, I didn't really see anything. On Instagram, however, I will say um, Alex Kalorn went as Tom that was Brady, good. Yeah. and he he killed it. Like he legit, like from the armbands. Well, he probably to, just got like you know Bucks pro- equipment. Yeah, he had like the same face mask as him. I mean, he went all out. It's probably Brady's real helmet. So right, um, <laughs> just one of yeah. the nineteen he doesn't wear during the year. Yeah, I think uh, I think he killed it. So Tom Wilson's also looked good. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll the Caps had some good ones. Um, uh, the Oshies was really funny. I don't know if you got that, but uh, he was yeah. the the cool mom from Mean Girls. She was Regina George. That was good. Yeah, she pulled that off well. Um, <laughs> I'm going to move on to the... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a good Halloween weekend, though. What's the oh, best no. one you've seen all time? All time. Hmm. I don't know, man. I'm not like a huge Halloween guy. It, it, I don't think anything really sticks out. I will say when I was a kid, um, this happened for like three Halloweens in a row. There would be a guy who'd come through the neighborhood. Uh, I know it's Mills, Maryland, for those of you who are familiar. I think he was actually kind of famous. I think the, I think he recently passed away in, a couple years ago. I think there's a news article about him. He would dress up as Batman and literally like bought a Batmobile. Like, oh, that's sick. Full blown. Like, it, I can't remember what the exact car was. It was a black con- convertible sports car he got like the bat signal like painted on the hood like he went all out just the dude with the black lamborghini it might have been but i don't know he was in the news when maybe for all i know he's not dead and i just fucked that up probably but (laughs) i think i think he passed away a couple years ago um some people will actually probably know who i'm talking about he's he was kind of famous in like the baltimore area cool yeah what about you best one of all time i would have to say um there was this girl that I knew in college. She was in uh, my girlfriend's sorority and she did, uh, she, had, uh, she had red hair and she did Darla from finding Nemo, you know, That's like the, great. the crazy chick who comes in and like shakes the bag. Shakes, with the, I, yeah. yeah. There was and someone she, on Facebook who did that. She, I mean, off. like when I say that she got this, like to a T like glasses, headgear, everything, purple shirt, yeah. like walked around with like a bag of goldfish. It was hysterical. Yeah, that, I saw someone do that on Facebook, and they they it's a good costume to pull off if you do have like red hair. It matches perfectly. So yeah, that and um, then um, my buddy Reese was a uh, he was the Pixar lamp. He just wore <laughs> a white morph suit and then duct taped a lampshade to his face around. and just hopped around the whole time. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's so people are so fucking creative. I yeah. I'm so dumb with that. I, in my opinion, pulled off like. The boyfriend ideal like Halloween you can get away with wearing a jersey. Yeah. No one's gonna give you shit. Yeah. That's all I asked for. Yeah. Easy um, money. Just wear what I normally wear, anyways. <laughs> yeah, really. All righty. Well, we're gonna hop in the news here. But before we do, we just want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by Brackish Life. 
Let's take a minute to talk about Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink to Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink to Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a portion of their proceeds to Rink to Reef to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out www.brackish.life today. Nick, the floor is yours. All right, uh, let's go. Jack Eichel update. Uh, Per the activity yesterday on the 31st, Halloween, hope you guys had a good one. The Flames and the Golden Knights are among the final trade destinations for the Sabres captain. Harry, which do you think is more likely and why? Um, I'm going to go with the Golden Knights, and here's why. I think they have a little bit more to offer. They're also, a lot, I feel like they're the more aggressive franchise of the two. Um, I also, can I be honest with you? I mean, with how hot the flames are right now, I don't know if you want to mess anything up to be, I mean. And I completely agree. I was the one who was calling for Eichel to go to the flames a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And honestly, I still think it could happen, but I think that's a great point. You know, this team has been really, really good lately. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, knowing the Flames, like we do know the Flames, that'll change tomorrow. But uh, they've been putting some good hockey games together. Andrew Mangiapane looks really, really good. Kachuk's been playing well. So, yeah, uh, I would say I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. And I have been reading that Shea Theodore would likely be a part of the package if he goes to Vegas. And I just can't help but wonder to myself, like, dude, he's a top 15 for sure, not quite top 10 yet, maybe like 11, 12 in that range. I mean, he's a sick defenseman. He's progressed. He's he has evolved into one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. He's become a cornerstone of that franchise. I mean, I don't know why you would give him up. I know Eichel's like, you know, a superstar talent, but with his injuries and but like I don't know. Can we say that though? Yeah, the talent's there, just like every other good young player that comes up through the NHL, but we've seen Eichel get hurt. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, that being said, I hope he does go to Calgary because now we have McDavid and Eichel Battle of Alberta, which is just yeah television. And I, I feel like putting him in Vegas. I don't know. I just feel like that's. Well, the thing is, he's going to get more coverage if he goes to Vegas just because they get yeah. the primetime games. They're a U.S. market. They're a big market team, blah, blah, blah. But. Because the flames, he kind of disappears. I mean, I hate to say it. That it's way, true. Yeah, especially for us on the East Coast. Yeah, the Western Canada teams never get the uh, the recognition they deserve. So for sure, keep an eye on that. I thought that was going to break yesterday, but Darren Drager has said it's been a roller coaster so far this week. So no, we've been waiting for this one to break for like the last six months. So yeah. it'll it'll happen eventually, and I'm sure everyone will lose their minds when it does. But. Um, quick updates regarding the Chicago Blackhawks and Kyle Beach situation. Uh, since we last spoke, Kyle Beach has identified as himself as the player identified as John Doe in the independent investigation conducted into the Chicago Blackhawks. Since then, Joel Quinville has resigned as the head coach at, at the at the time, the undefeated Florida Panthers following the release of that. Uh, investigation becoming public. In addition to this, the Blackhawks owner has asked 
the Hockey Hall of Fame to remove Brad Aldrich's name from the Stanley Cup. Now, both Lanny McDonald, who's the president of the Hockey Hall of Fame, and Gary Bettman and the Hawks owner discussed this, and the two parties have agreed that this is an acceptable request, and they're going to you know, put that into motion for, I don't know what you have to do to get that kind of thing done, but it uh, seems like they're going to go ahead with that, so that's good to hear. It is good to hear. Um, you know, overdue. I don't. Are there any more? Up, I, I'll let you go on to the uh, other updates that you have before I chime yeah, in. Yeah, the other update on that topic is that Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff did meet with Gary Bettman, and following that meeting, he will not be disciplined for uh, his inaction or action in the Chicago Blackhawks case. Uh, so yeah, it's about where we stand now. So today, November 1st, that we're recording this, um, oh, we didn't even announce our interview guest now that I just thought about, by the way. We're all over the place. (laughs) We're we're, we're trying to make sense of everything right now. Uh, We're joined by Caps radio announcer, John Walton. Uh, Great guy. Great interview. Actually, we haven't interviewed him yet at the time we're recording this. That's going to be tomorrow night, and then this will get released on Wednesday. But it'll be great. Just thought I'd put that out there. Um, Did you... Listen, watch, read on Twitter the notes from Bettman's press conference today. I did not. Uh, look, man, the NHL's in some deep shit. And from a PR perspective, I mean, he wasn't really addressing any questions about the investigation. He hands the Blackhawks a $2 million fine, like we said last episode. And when you put that into perspective with some other penalties that have been dished out in the past um the coyotes they what were interviewing or working out a, a prospect that wasn't officially on their roster and they got they so lost they were like, conducting tests like medical yeah. examinations on prospects like when they weren't supposed to you know like physicals and stamina they tests lost and stuff like, like that yeah they lost like draft picks and shit yeah um the devils when they maneuvered the salary cap like three years ago illegally they got fined $3 million. So when you only find a team $2 million for the allegations that we're seeing here, just sends the wrong message. And Batman was clearly, I can't remember the name of the reporter who interviewed Kyle Beach when he you know, spoke uh, about all this. Rick Westhead. Yeah, I think he was supposed to be asking questions at the, the briefing at 1 p.m. And he didn't call on him. Or I think he only called on him like once. And people were like, how are you calling on all these other you know, recognizable names who really aren't, they're throwing softballs at him. Sure. So it's just, it's just a bad look. Everybody really is upset about it. And rightfully so it's just a bad look for the league in my opinion, but yeah, no, that's really disappointing to hear. I'm definitely going to have to go back in and uh, listen to those and watch the press conference. Uh, But I agree. It's, you know, the, the punishment is not, you know, fitting the crime here and the league and the the organization just need to step it up and do more and not try and squash this in court. Like I've been reading that they have. So, yeah, I've, I've been reading that as well. So, so that I'm sure this is not the end of this uh, story. So. No, absolutely not. Uh, moving on to some better news. Ryan gets officially passed Timu Solani as the ducks franchise all time leading point scorer. He passed Timu with us with an assist against the Habs last night that point was Getzlaff's 989th of his career in his 1,111th game. So kudos to Getzy for getting that one done. Did you see yeah. the, the reaction from the Ducks bench? Yeah, they all that was came awesome. on the ice. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It'll be nice to see him when he gets 1,000 there too, all with the Ducks. That's doing it the right way. Yep, pretty impressive. 
Uh, Cole Caulfield has been sent down to the American Hockey League. He's got one assist so far through 11 games this season. He had a monster, monster last year. Broke into the league. I think he had like in the last 10 games, he had five points. Four of those were goals. Goes into the playoffs, and I think he had like 12 points, four yeah. and eight through 20 games or something like that. I mean, yeah. the dude was he was awesome. I mean, you know, and this is hands down their number one rated prospect. And the Montreal Canadiens, I've said it for two years, benefited more from the coronavirus rules in league set up than any other team in the league. And now it's showing. And I hate not like I've been saying it for two years. They're not a good team. They're really not. And I know you and Mac were like kind of high on them in the season preview. I just don't see it. I really don't. I mean, they don't have the firepower up front in my opinion and it's starting to show and it's showing now that they have to play every team in the league, not just the same, like seven Canadian ones that kind of suck quite frankly. Um, And it's just not going great right now. And when they lost Shea Weber, I knew that was going to have a huge impact on them. How could it not? He's their captain. He's their leader. He's, probably their best defenseman. Now they're having some COVID problems. It's panic time in Montreal. Sounds like Bergevin isn't even going to come back as the GM next year. So there's a lot of stuff going on up there. Carey Price, again, he's not playing right now. So it's just a dumpster fire in Montreal. And I don't see them clawing their way back. I don't know if I like – I'm trying to decide if I like this move. Part of me likes it because they're getting worked. And he's a young player. You don't want to kill his confidence. So send him down, get him some ice time, find his game. But the other part of me is he's clearly capable of playing in the NHL. I mean, absolutely. He showed it it last year and he's one of your best offensive weapons that you have. So it's kind of, you know, the season ain't done yet. I I don't know. This feels like it's folding the towel, thrown in the towel a little bit. So who knows? I mean, this this could be like one of like a thousand different things behind it. You would think it's either for performance or conditioning. You know, off the top of your head, who knows? I mean, you mentioned it. Weber, out. Byron, out. Carey Price, out. Matthew Perot, out. Gallagher's day-to-day, right? Yeah, they lose Philip to know. Exactly. Now Nick Nick Suzuki's getting paid monster money for basically doing jack shit. Now, that being said, I think, you know, when Mac and I were high on this team, we're looking at this roster and we're going, okay, you know, you bring in Christian Dvorak. Jonathan Druin comes back into the lineup this year. Like, you know... Arturi Lekkanen, solid piece. You bring in a guy like Cedric Paquette, just help the Lightning win two Stanley Cups. I mean, these are good pieces that they have here. Yeah, they're definitely hurting, you know, on the back end, not having Price, not having Weber. Uh, Byron up front, I think, really kills them. Petrie I mean, has sucked so far. Petrie has, has not looked w- good. I think yeah. he has one point. Yeah. So I mean, it's just a, you know, and I, I think you're right. I think at this point we can go did playing in that North division really just, you know, did they just match up against those teams really well? And did it just fit for them? And clearly they're having a hard time now. And, you know, we, we said this at the beginning of the year, a thousand times you fall behind in the Atlantic or the Metro, you're not going to be able to catch up. It's true. It's true. And I don't think that they're going to be quite this bad the entire season, but I do not think they're going to make the playoffs and people forget. They built all this this like two year momentum swing. They start they built it when they beat the Penguins in the bubble, and they weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs if the season had finished. And people forget that. And here we are. So I've said they're a COVID team for two years now. Last year they shoved it up my ass, right? You know, I mean they got a little bit exposed in the finals, but who wouldn't against a team like the Lightning were last year? Yeah, but fair now point. now it's now it's showing. So. 
Yeah, uh, they need to get it together and soon or else it's only going to get worse from there. Uh, the San Jose Sharks, uh, they had seven players along with their head coach, Bob Bugner, that got placed in COVID-19 protocol prior to their matchup against the Jets on Saturday. Uh, that included defenseman Eric Carlson, Jake Middleton, Radim Simak, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, as well as forwards Andrew Cogliano, Jonathan Dolan, and Matt Nieto. I think it's also worth pointing out that Logan Couture was under the weather and did not play on Saturday, though that's not due to COVID protocol. Uh, yeah, I am going to talk a little bit more about the Sharks later in the gambling portion of this episode, but they looked good to start, and now they don't look good at all, and they look like that cold morning dump that I've talked about several times on this podcast, so even though that cold morning dump is now on the flyers, but yes, I'm going to talk about the team instead of Martin Jones. Uh, no, I, yeah. I think it's accurate at this point. I mean, they had a great start. It, it's sort of like that firework, you know, where you light it and the fuse is like, you know, hissing all the way down and it's looking like it's going to be really, really good. Gets to the bottom and just poof, nothing. Yep. Yep. Uh, speaking of the opposite of that, the hurricanes stay undefeated and the coyotes stay winless. Uh, the Hurricanes are the last standing unbeaten team in the NHL at 8-0-0, extending the best start to a season in franchise history. Carolina's winning streak is also tied for the fourth longest to begin a season in NHL history. Wagon. Complete and total wagon. And we knew it before the start of the year, but goddamn, man, they look good. Like, they're deep. So I would this, say they have- This is a cup contending team right here. Yeah, I'd say this is probably the cup favorite right now, and obviously being 8 no will do that. But they look good, man. I, that's that's a tough, tough, tough team to play against. Everybody can score. Everybody can chip in. The D-men are insane. Frederick Anderson's playing out of his mind. So all things look good in Carolina right now. And do we have anything to say about Arizona, or is it just fix the team or move at this point? I don't. So I'm actually going to – confess to this i did bet the coyotes to win this last night i did not publish that because i wouldn't advise anybody to do that but figured at eh, plus 300 they haven't won yet the hurricanes are undefeated the canes played the night before i thought maybe they'll get them on a tired night and somehow squeak this out it was a close game but no cigar for me so yeah the yotes they absolutely suck you would just think at this point with them why not just blow it up but like try and blow it up, like do what they're Buffalo like half, is like was doing yeah. for the last two years. Do what the Red Wings did for the last two years. They're like half blowing it up. It's like, well, but just full you commit know, full to blown. it. Like, yeah, just do it. Like be bad. Like you're you're trying. Yeah, not not to be bad. And then your result is you're bad. So it's just like, yeah. you know, come on, man. Shane or uh, who is it this year? Shane Wright, the Shane Wright sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, your boy, Sid the Kid, returned to the Penguins lineup Saturday against the New Jersey Devils. He missed the first seven games of the season after undergoing wrist surgery. Thoughts on his return? Uh, that game was weird. I watched the entire thing. Uh, Nico Heeshear is now full-time against Sid. Now that Zajac's gone, it always used to be Zajac when he was on the Devils. But he sure shut him down, man. Um, the Pens had some really good chances, but at the end of the day, couldn't get the uh, couldn't get the job done. So tough game, no points for Sid in his return, which is a rarity. He's usually really good in his return game. So I don't know. Devils are a good, good, fast, young team. Don't have much more thoughts other than that. Yeah, it's just a it's a tough matchup if you're in the Metro and you know you you see the Devils on your schedule. You're like, this one could go either way. 
Yeah, exactly. You never know what you're gonna get, but they are nasty. I think they're, they're gonna good. make some. They're gonna make some noise. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we hop into the interview with John Walton, we just wanted to recap the three stars of the week from NHL.com. The third star is Alex Kalorn. He had four goals and two assists for six points. Drake Batherson, three goals and three apples for six points. He's been, I think he's had a great start to this year. Looked awesome against the Caps the other night. Uh, and then Jacob Markstrom, three wins on the season, a 0.33 GAA, a 9.89 save percentage, and two shutouts. Yeah. Uh, those, those are numbers. Cook, Calgary's cooking. Those numbers look like create a pro in NHL 22 type numbers. I've never sure. seen. 0.33 GAA. That's pretty insane. Uh, he's well, actually, I'll say that stat when we get to the gambling portion. So I'll save it. Cool. Uh, let's go ahead and toss it off to John Walton. But before we do, we just want to remind everyone that summer may be over, but there's still never been a better chance to get out on the water. Are you looking to finance that new boat or yacht you've always dreamed of? Well, you're in luck because the yacht lender is a specialist in marine finance with partnerships with 15 different banks. He is the right lender for whatever vessel you may be in the market for. Backed by Trident Funding with over 25 years as an industry leader, the Yacht Lender has the expertise and know-how to finance the boat of your dreams. Don't wait. Apply today at www.yachtlender.com or check him out on Instagram at Yacht Lender to see others who have already gotten out on the water. Let's go ahead and toss it off to John Walton right now. It's now my pleasure to welcome to the Empty Betters podcast, the radio voice of your Washington Capitals, Mr. John Walton. John, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Of course. Good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. So just getting hopped into everything here. I know you're from Ohio. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you got into broadcasting in the first place? Well, I started, uh, I guess, broadcasting in Ohio. I started in Ohio because that's where I was born. But when I was two and a half, we moved to Minnesota. So the hockey interest came from living on the west side of Minneapolis and going to originally Minnesota Gopher Games and uh, North Stars games originally. And uh, it's kind of funny for me because there were so many guys, there were so many trades when I was a kid, high school, between the Caps and the North Stars. You pick up the Caps media guy, there's a whole lot of guys I knew, <laughs> you know, with Don Bullprey, Gaetan Duchesne, Mike Gartner, uh, Brian McClellan played for the North Stars for a little while when I was there. So uh, there's a lot of familiar faces that I ended up being associated with later on with a very different employer. But uh, being a, a North Stars fan kind of brought me to the game originally. And then my mother got tired of the winners and we moved back to Ohio uh, just before high school. So uh, Ohio, if you don't know it, uh, at least the part I was in is kind of a hockey wasteland. So uh, it was a little bit of a culture shock for me. Uh, there was some youth hockey around, but uh, at the time there wasn't even an ECHL team in Cincinnati. And that's where I was pretty close to. So I uh, getting started at Miami University and calling games there is how I got started and started in student radio and moved up to real radio. And I just kind of kept making steps here or there. I didn't have didn't go in a straight line necessarily to get to Washington, but uh, that's where it all started for me. For sure. I know it's funny you say that, like, you know, it's not necessarily a straight line. When we had Joe on, he talked about, you know, he got into broadcasting because he got hurt. Was that something that you more actively wanted to pursue just because you had that communications background? Well, let's be clear. Joe B is a better athlete than me. So uh, <laughs> he, he had that probably. Uh, he's a terrific golfer and we play a lot and he uh, beats me into the turf pretty regularly. But, uh, you know, for me, it was something that I always gravitated toward radio, television. 
uh, from an early age. And I think sometime around teenage years, I started kind of putting that together with my love of sports in general, but hockey, maybe specifically, I love baseball. Uh, I was a football fan up until about 1995 as I was a Browns fan. And when they moved to Baltimore, I kind of felt like I had my team ripped from me. It was about the time I started doing hockey too. So I, I, I don't watch as much football as others do. I do. I do. You know, I watch the Super Bowl. I went actually went to the Ravens game with my son when they played the Bengals a couple of weeks ago. But uh, for the most part, it's been hockey and baseball. And when that started uh, becoming a thing for me where I thought, well, maybe this is, you know, I was always drawn to the announcers, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, Marty Brenneman when he was with the Reds, who I got to work with later on. Uh you know, Dan Kelly did the blues and Ken Wilson, uh, Camel X had a big stick at night, 50,000 Watts. So when I lived in Minnesota and when I lived in Ohio, you could get a St. Louis station pretty easily. So I would listen to those. And, uh, you know, I think that's where it started. By the time I got to college, I said, that sounds like a really fun career idea. How am I going to do it? I have no earthly idea, but I just started with student radio and kind of took it from there. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you have any role models that you looked up to in terms of their style when you were growing up? Or is there anyone, you know, in present day that you think, man, I really like the uh, commentating style that they have? Well, Mike Emmerich's the greatest of all time. I, I just he's so good at what he does from a vocabulary standpoint, from an energy standpoint, from a human being standpoint. I got to know him quite a bit when I was in Hershey because he actually lived in Hershey for five years when he did the Flyers and would take the train to Philadelphia every day, do the game, and uh, was more of a small-town guy, and the Hershey Bears were a a team that he was kind of a fan of, so he would uh, go and watch the Bears. Uh, He's definitely on the list. Uh, Ken Wilson, who did the St. Louis Blues for me, I occasionally will throw in an old baby, and that's pointed at something he used to say uh that's that's a uh, anytime there's a really big moment in a game he's he's like oh what a bill baby what a save by curtis joseph and i i think there's some some patterns that i mean you get a little bit from lots of places nobody has their own like they don't operate in a vacuum i mean we all grew up with sports we all had favorite announcers we all had you know stylistically things that uh, were we were big fans of and you know for him he was right marty brenneman uh, until just a couple of years ago was the voice of the reds and marty just told it like it was and he didn't care like he ken griffey jr hated him like when they were there and one of the greatest <laughs> stories i ever heard this was actually when i worked for the reds i was the public address announcer kind of like what Wes johnson is for us that's what i did with the reds and Marty came up one day and just, he was so prideful. He was like, I just got into it with Ken Griffey Jr. And I'll leave out some of the, the F-bombs that went through it. But he basically said, I was here when your dad was here. I'll be here long after you're gone. I was like, can you imagine like me or Joe B going up to Alex Ovechkin and saying something like that? Like not in a million years, but that's who he was. Like he was as in your face wow. as anybody. they broke the mold with him. Uh, and, and he called a game like that too. So I, you know, that I think my, you know, kind of call it like it is. I mean, if somebody's not playing well, I'm going to say so. And thankfully I have an employer that allows me to do that, which I'm grateful (laughs) for. Yeah. I I also wanted to ask you just while it's fresh in my head, because I know this was something that came up, um, when we were talking to Joe B and he was telling us that for him, he was never, he never incorporated into his style um, like premeditated um, calls, I guess you would say. So 
you'll probably take this as a compliment, um, and I, as you should, but I'm a diehard Penguins fan, and I'm the only one on the podcast who is, so your voice kind of haunts me in my sleep sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just based on that call, and, and, you know, I've listened to you in the car before, it doesn't seem like you're too big into the premeditated stuff. Like, I've listened to Mike Lang for years, and, you know, he's got his famous catchphrases after every goal. I'm just wondering where your stance is on that. Well, just quick on Mike Lang, an amazing, amazing human being. And Mike told me it's funny that that day, and I guess kind of leading up to that call, Mike is a small part of it because I don't, you can't script anything. You don't know how it's going to go. You, you can't think ahead of time. I mean, even when the team was in Vegas winning the Stanley Cup, they're up 3-1 and it looks pretty good, but you know, they're behind after two. You don't know how it's going to go. And I remember Mike Lang coming in the booth for game six and he was always so good with his time and he was just an incredibly nice man and, and, you know, wishing him all the best in retirement, but he was kind of telling me what he, he'd been around the block way more than me. And he was saying before the game, keep in mind, Pittsburgh, of course, had won back to back and it is so hard to do as Tampa Bay is about to find out by the way. And you get to the second round of a third go around. You only have so much in the tank and the, the, the tipping point had gone the other way toward Washington and Mike had been there, done that and knew what was about to happen. I think he knew Washington was going to win that night. And I think yeah. he realized it was the end of an unbelievably great run for Pittsburgh. And he told me before the game that he said, you are going to be places where every night you go to the rink, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And just when you think it can't, it does again. And then you'll turn around and you will see, everybody in this game that you've ever thought of or talked about or, or seen on television is suddenly going to be standing there. I think he knew Washington was destined to go all the way. I didn't. I, up until I'd seen too many Pittsburgh horror shows to really gather that one in, but I, I still remember him talking to me before the game and thinking, wow, maybe this is really going to happen. And it goes to overtime. And then I'd long forgotten what he had said because overtime in Pittsburgh, there's a good chance this isn't going to end well and, and go back. And then, then the call happened. So in that moment, I had no idea uh, what was going to come out of my mouth. And I think anyone that does, this is not something that you can script. You have to rely on your brain, spitting out the right words at the right time to try and capture the moment the best you can. And when it's over, you just hope you got it right. And, you know, with, with Koozie, I, I was pretty happy with it. I, it was so sudden because, you know, it was just a quick transition up ice, you know, as you know, Ovi sent, I mean, Ovi was a spectator basically by that point. And is this going to go or not? And it was just a matter of just, it seemed like an eternity, but it was only a couple of seconds. And when it went in, it's just whatever comes out of your mouth. And my color commentator, Ken Saverin was busy beating me on the shoulder at the time I was talking. So <laughs> I uh, do. We had not seen anything like that in these parts for 20 years. So, uh, yeah, not any real scripting of any kind. I mean, you can kind of have an idea swirling around maybe in those moments leading up to something like that. Like, what if this really does happen? But that's for, at least for me, that's kind of where it stops. Well, you absolutely nailed it. Uh, I vividly remember um, driving a lot faster home from my bartending job in college with your voice on the radio than I probably should have been going to get home during the second period of that game. And, you know, as hockey guys go, we're a little bit superstitious. So uh, the caps, for whatever reason, always seem to blow it when Doc's on the call and I'm watching. So I had the NBC broadcast on, but the TV on mute, and then an actual radio with your voice going the whole time. 
Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I think that, you know, it's funny that you know, I've done a little bit of national stuff enough to know that I, I did a Carolina Tampa game in the second round and both fan bases equally hated me because both of them knew where I came from. And whenever Carolina was doing something, well, the Tampa people don't like you and the Carolina people were on you when Tampa Bay started doing something well. So, you know, the national people a lot of times can't win. I found that out, but you know, but that's okay. I like being with a team. John Forslund went to Seattle, I think for that reason, because he becomes such a national figure, but being with a team and being around the same group of guys and getting to know who they are, that's a fun thing. And, you know, yeah, of course, you know, I'm passionate about the Capitals. And of course, I want the Caps to win. I, I like getting paid every two weeks. I would like them to continue to do well, both financially <laughs> and on the ice. So, uh, you know, there is a little bias there. But I also firmly believe that when things aren't going well, or if there's a reason why, you know, when Evgeny Kuznetsov hasn't been what he's needed to be the last few years, we've said so. And when, you know, even this year, like I'd like to see more out of Anthony Mantha. And, you know, but, you know, those kinds of things we're a little more biased toward maybe hoping for those things to happen as opposed to, uh, you know, calling it straight down the middle. And you do wear that different hat. I had a couple of caps games that were national and putting that aside is it's not as hard as you might think. I know the caps, but you know, you have a responsibility to the audience on both sides to call it down the middle. And, uh, and Joe has, you know, done that a lot more than I have. And I'll, we'll tell you too, that's, that's in sometimes not the hard, the easiest thing in the world, but uh, you know, it's, it's just something you got to balance when you do it. For sure. Uh, you got a great taste of that, you know, gelling as a team when you were in Hershey. Uh, not only were you the radio uh, voice there, but you were also the team's communications director, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I did PR. Uh, so game notes. And it was, uh, you know, in the minors, no matter where you are. And Hershey's the best place to be outside the National Hockey League. It's a big job. I mean, you're getting on the bus and it's a three and three and you're Friday night one place and doing game notes and you're using the bus ride home and you're, you weren't going to bed anyway and getting it done and then getting up and doing it again on a Saturday. And the three and threes are where if you're a player, a broadcaster, players especially, of course, but man, it's hard. Right? There's not a lot of prep time and you know your throat's kind of had it from 10,000 people on a Saturday night. And hey, there's this three o'clock game the next day. And it's it was that part was hard. But, um, but being able to balance all of those things, yeah. Um, and the Bears, of course, were winning a ton during that time. So that did make the long nights a little bit easier. Alder Cups in 06, 09, and 2010, if I'm not mistaken. And a lot of uh, future capitals on those teams. Who were some of the players that stood out to you? Oh, well, I mean, my, my life changed for the better when the Caps affiliated with Hershey, and that came in 2005. We'd been with Colorado, and the Avs didn't really have much of a farm system left by that point. They had been trading out picks, and we didn't have much. We weren't very good. Hadn't even, I hadn't even seen the team win a playoff series since I got there going into my fourth year. And then affiliated with Washington, and Bruce Boudreau came in, and Mike Green was a rookie defenseman for us in that first Calder Cup year in 0506. Uh, Dave Steckel was on that team. Uh, there were others, uh, but it was actually not only three cups, but they went to four finals in five years. They won in 06. They went back to the final in 07 and were breezing through, just annihilating everybody. Like, got through the first three rounds. I, I mean, they barely lost. I think they lost twice. And get to the final, and they're playing Hamilton, who had won – uh, just enough games to finish in third place in the regular season, but caught fire in the playoffs. 
because they had a guy in goal named Carey Price. So uh, it's amazing how quickly things got shut down. Uh, We lost in five. We were gone fast. Uh, Couldn't put a thing through them. Uh, and then Bruce, the following year came to Washington. I wasn't out in the first round, but then, as you said, uh, beat Corey Schneider, uh, in 09, uh, and then, uh, beat Texas. Jamie Ben was on the team, uh, and 10, uh, John Carlson, Carl Alsner. I mean, on defense, I mean, you've got those two guys and Jeff Schultz, that's basically half of the caps defensive core. And they were big parts of the, the last two, uh, and, Alexander Giroux, who was only here a little bit, but at the AHL level, a guy was crazy. He scored 60 goals. Ridiculous. In a year that the Caps ended up winning 60, or the, uh, the Bears, rather, won 60 games and then 16 more playoff games. 76 wins, a record that will never be broken in the AHL. I've never – I can't – I mean, there are teams that might go three <laughs> years and not win 76 games. So a uh, lot of fun during those years. I remember watching a little bit of his games just when I was in middle and high school. Did he ever get a sniff at the NHL at all? Was that Giroux? Yeah. He was here a little bit. Uh, he was just a step slow. He's one of those guys. He was a tweener. Like he was too good for the AHL, but just couldn't. He wasn't big and he wasn't quite the guy that could get enough foot speed. I mean, at the AHL level, he could find time and space. And when he did, he was lethal. And Keith Coin, who's actually going to the AHL Hall of Fame this year, was dishing and pucks. And Keith was as good as that as anybody. And between the two of them, I think the one year they ended up together with 240 points, just Crazy, crazy numbers, wow. both well into double digit, uh, well into triple digits. Um, and Giroux ended up with 60 goals and a coin, I think, had 115 points himself. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, but those guys were it was just it was a perfect storm. I mean, for five years, it was the best five year run in Bears history. And they've been around 84 years now. And there's never been a five year run like it. It was just very lucky for me that I got some championship experience by the time I got to this level that. I'd seen what that looks like by the time you get to June. And it was a fun thing to be a part of. Sure. I'm just curious with the, you know, not to talk too much on the AHL, but with the nature of, you know, how young guys are treated when they come in and they're high picks nowadays. And, you know, the Caps have been a really good franchise for over 10 plus years now. What do you think attributes the most to why Hershey is like the cornerstone franchise in the AHL, even though the Caps are always so good? They have a hockey town that is it, where hockey is everything. I mean, you have a, the town itself only has 28,000 people, but you got 10,000 seats. It's kind of like what Texas high school football is like. It's kind of like that, where it's what you do on a Saturday night in central Pennsylvania. And they demand excellence, too. I've heard many a boo bird. The boo birds come out way quicker in Hershey than they do in Washington. And you know, it's a good training ground for those guys. And you're around, uh, you know, back when I was there, you're around a lot of media too. So you were used to giving interviews and the TVs were come out and the, and the newspapers, that's not quite the, as much anymore, but you know, the blogs are still there and they, they still do a good job too. So uh, there's a lot of growing up. I think it happened to me. I mean, when I got there in 2002, I mean, I'd only had three years of professional hockey experience at that point. Uh, and the guy who was there before me had just gone to the NHL and they looked at me as like, well, who are you? <laughs> and, you know, you've got to prove yourself just like any, like the players do. And I think that's a great teaching ground for anyone in the hockey business. And so many people have come from there, but it's just, they demand excellence. They don't hang division banners in the ceiling there. I don't know outside of Toronto. I think that's the end Montreal, I think are the only two teams in the NHL that do the same. 
division championships don't mean anything here. We only hang championships in the rafters. And for Hershey, they got 11 of them. They would like a 12th, but they're not going to litter the ceiling with anything. It's not a Calder Cup title. Yeah. So moving on from your time in Hershey in 2011, you get the call to go and call games on the radio for the Caps. Uh, When we had Joe and Craig on, you know, it was interesting. You know, they talked about, you know, coming in in the 90s, building up with this team, watching the young guns grow. You come into this team where the young guns by 2011 are pretty well established. Alex Ovechkin is one of the NHL's premier players, if not its most explosive. What was that transition like for you? I remember the first preseason game that I did in the fall of 2011 and just watching preseason speed at the NHL level. I mean, you watch games on TV, but it's not the same when you're in the press box. And what does that look like? And it is a much faster game, even in the preseason. And then you've got Alex Ovechkin, who even in preseason form is still uh, just a spectacle to watch. And yeah, I knew I landed in something pretty good, especially with a team that you know, it's funny. I mean, they came out of the block 7-0 and that year, and Bruce Boudreaux, who had a, a very uh, quick second-round exit the year before against the Lightning and was, you know, trying to, you know, keep it going a little bit after what had been a heck of a run, the upset, of course, in 2010 in Montreal, but they just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And Bruce, unfortunately for me, had to pay for it with his job uh, just before Thanksgiving that year. And so for me, I mean, the guy that I was around in Hershey and I mean, he and I are friends to this day and that was hard. That was like the first reality check for me that, you know what, it's all business up here. And, you know, I'd only been here about 40 days to that point. And, you know, then there were a lot of up and downs that first year. So I learned a lot. Uh, The team, you know, it's funny, you talk about the young guns and being established, but the team itself they managed to get in the playoffs under Dale Hunter, even though they were out of the postseason picture on St. Patrick's Day. They ended up getting in and then went all the way to game seven in the second round, almost, you know, got to a conference final. So it was a weird year. Adam Oates came in and won a division title that, you know, the old Southeast wasn't very much that year. And they got escorted pretty quickly by the Rangers and then missed the playoffs. And then he was gone. So, you know, you get used to pretty quick that, you know, things change if you're not winning Things are going to change, and uh, but the but the speed, and Alex Ovechkin himself on any given night is, you know, be ready at any moment. I don't care if he doesn't have a shot on goal through two periods, and there are nights like that. I saw him do that against the Kings about a month before the pause, where uh, the Caps weren't playing very well, and Ovi wasn't there, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 hat trick, third period, beat the Kings. Thank you very much. In so, like the last eight <laughs> minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And so something like that, I mean, you just don't, with Alex, you got to always be ready. Uh, I do have one question that I always like to ask the commentators that we bring on and you doing um, a little bit of both of TV and radio. What's your different approach to the two? Is there a different like style when you're doing radio versus television? Yeah, there is uh, radio. If you, if I don't say it, you don't know it. So you've got to try and find a way to artfully and with word economy uh, to paint the picture as quickly as you can, because the game moves fast. And, you know, some, some of that's pitch and tone of voice. I mean, if I'm starting to rev up, you know, something's about to happen. It's not always with words, uh, but some of the words that you use, I mean, you're trying to get from one zone to the next and you can't, you don't want to, if you're on every word and you're talking a million miles an hour, you know, that's one of the mistakes I think young broadcasters make in their early going is you want to try and say everything, which is good, but you got to find quicker ways to say things. And, on radio, that's what we try and do. Everything's got to be said. 
in TV, you let it breathe a little bit. I don't have to tell you if it's on the far side of the ice or the near side of the ice. You know that you're watching. You may not know who the puck carrier is, but you can see where he is on the ice. So I'm not going to give you maybe that kind of description. The color analyst is, I think, more important in they're important in both, but they're really important in TV, especially when you've got somebody like Craig who, you know, played for so many years. And now he and Joe for 25 years have done this together. I mean, they can they roll out of bed with no notes and put on a, a spectacular show. They just know each other so well. Uh, but that balance is important because you, you, your analyst is going to be able to tell you things that the play-by-play guy doesn't have to keep going. If Ken Savern on the radio side says, goes on too long, and he knows to cut it pretty short, because if he's describing something in detail and a game's going on, you don't know what's happening. So uh, he's drilling down on a certain point, but he generally will do that in stoppages because the play-by-play guy on radio has to keep going a little bit more to give you the full flavor of what's happening. So it is different, uh, but I think, you know, and both have their pluses and minuses. TV's fun. TV's a lot more makeup. Uh, TV's a lot more rehearsal and, you know, the three minutes that you're trying to put together for the beginning of the show, you'll spend more time on that. Sometimes when you do the actual game and the game goes, you're like, Hey, you know, the game's the game, just kind of, you know, dial back, maybe do about 75% of what you do on radio and let your analyst have a little bit more room. But other than that, it's uh, a lot of, a lot of similarities, just a few nuanced differences. Very cool. Uh, fast forwarding a little bit, you know, 16, 17, 18, those were all really, really deep capitals teams, very strong capitals teams. Uh, you know, the argument can be made that the 16 and 17 teams could have potentially been stronger or deeper than the 18 team. What do you remember about that sort of the run up to the run? And when in 18, did you realize something was different? I think uh, his first 16 and 17, and I would even say 15, just because the first year that Barry Trotz was here, I thought that team was primed for a run when they, they went in against the Rangers in the second round and, and building up that three, one lead Ward gets the goal in game one to win it right in the last minute. And they'd won the president's trophy and now they're on the ropes. I, I just think, you know, what Barry Trotz had put in place, I thought everybody bought in and it just, it all came apart. Just, you know, a, a bad penalty here, uh, a clunker of a game six, uh, a game seven, it goes to overtime and now it's a flip of the coin and uh, Derek Stepan's goal. That was probably the hardest for me ever uh, of the 11 years I've had here. Even, you know, the, the Pittsburgh stuff <laughs> was, was hard. Um, but Pittsburgh was opportunistic. And in the end, Pittsburgh was the better team. I don't know that the Rangers were. I, I think the Caps were in 15. And they just, it didn't feel like that's the way that one should have ended. Uh, Pittsburgh had an uncanny knack in those two years of no matter what the Caps did, it was always an opportunistic team on the other side that you make one mistake and somebody's going to put it in the back of the net and you can just see the shoulder slumping and you hear the reaction in the stands. I You asked me when I thought it was different in 18. I knew it was different when a goal that was scored by the opposition didn't deflate the building. Uh, even Brian McClellan has said this in a couple of postmortems on seasons. I mean, the, the fans get down, the momentum in the building is dead. I mean, it's like, you know, a, the patient's heart stopped and it just, you can't get it restarted. And everybody's expecting, oh, here we go. It's the Caps again, crashing in the second round. If it's Pittsburgh or it's the Rangers or it's somebody else. The, in game five against Pittsburgh, 
Caps got outshot in the second period, like 18 to three. Like it looked like, oh, here we go. Pittsburgh's revving up again. And the Caps came back roaring in the third, scored four times. And I remember looking at the people down below me, just they can't believe this is even real life that a team like the Caps can come back against the Penguins and, and rev up and do it. And I think it was at that point, that was the turning point for me, obviously, Kuznetsov winning. I, uh, you know, and get, then you find yourself after a terrific series with Tampa Bay, here you are in Las Vegas. I mean, it, it was surreal to go there for game one. I mean, a team that, I mean, I thought we were going to Winnipeg. I was delightfully surprised to be honest. <laughs> How cool but, is that atmosphere? It's insane. It was, I, I went to a game great. there once. It's nuts. It is so loud that if you have a glass of water and I made this mistake once, uh, on your countertop next to your gear, it will vibrate off. You will see like the sound waves, like Jurassic Park with uh, the, the, you see the, the liquid going. That's what it looks like. And yeah, game one, they, it was insane. Uh, game two was insane, uh, but the Caps win. And by the time we got back for game five, the pregame was, well, here we are. See what happens. You know, <laughs> now it's 3 1. And, you know, the atmosphere was definitely a lot different. And so many Caps fans were there. And it was just an incredible night. But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, game five, second round for me was where it all changed. And I think everybody in this town believed as one that they weren't going to get denied this time. For sure. I remember you saying, even, you know, you've never seen what was it, more red sweaters at a road hockey game before. I remember looking at the stands and being like, this, it could be a home game for them, uh, you know, right before game five. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, there were so many, and it was cool because a lot of them were in the upper deck. And if you're a Vegas fan and you have the tickets to sell, I mean, look, your team's not winning tonight. And Caps fans would mortgage their house and, and take a second loan out if they had to, to be there. So, <laughs> Uh, there was yeah. money to be made. It was uh, capitalism at its best, I suppose. But uh, yeah, there were there must. I I think it was the majority. It was a slim majority, but I think at least half the building uh, dressed in red. I think one of the best pictures I saw from the cup celebration wasn't on the ice itself. It was you and Kenny Sabs almost tackling each other in the booth. Uh, what was that process like for you guys? That was fun. I and Kenny's one of my best friends, and you know we, I didn't really I'd met him in Hershey he'd come up for a Calder Cup final one year and I I, I didn't really know him that well and uh, you know we've we've traveled together you have meals together you know where our families know each other we you know we had you know the cup uh, you know together and uh, you know lots of pictures that came from that and it's been terrific so I mean to be able to be a part of that he was a black ace on the team that won in Calgary in 89 he has a ring from that his name didn't appear on the cup for that but he had seen what it was like as a player. And it was kind of fun for me to see him do this as a broadcaster this time. And, you know, the, you know, capturing those final moments and being able to describe it for everybody was something I'll never forget. And I was glad Ben Raby took that picture and I was glad he did because we were jumping around pretty good. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. By the time that you got to the end of it, I mean, you, you describe what's going on. That moment actually came a couple minutes after. I think Ben had, had chimed in by that point, and that's when he took it. But uh, business first, but then it was uh, it was really a, a great moment. We ran downstairs. We wanted to say, we didn't come here to watch this from up top. We want to get down there. <laughs> I can't believe I'm just realizing this, but I'm pretty sure I played with Ken's son, Jake, if I'm not mistaken. He's a, he was a goalie. Yeah, you did then because Jake is a goalie. Yeah, that's, yes. that is uh, Ken's his dad. I don't know why I just put the dots together, but we just had a uh, a watch party with some old teammates of mine, and they were saying, you know, about Ken Saber. I was like, why did I never realize this? So um, that's pretty funny, actually. 
Um, and just for the sake of time, because we don't want to keep you too long, but just kind of want to see what your feeling is with the team this season. I think the Caps are off to a pretty good start. Um, you know, kind of pains me to say that. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a Pens fan. So um, your young guys look good. OV first star of the month. What do you think? I think they've got a pretty good team. I think Pittsburgh and Washington are in the same boat that everything in the salary cap era kind of follows the old circle of life. And Sidney Crosby on one side and Alex Ovechkin on the other, you both teams are trying to keep that window open for generational talents that don't come along every day. And I think that Pittsburgh, despite a ton of injuries, has been able to get through fairly well. I think the Caps got off to a nice start with what was a little bit of a softer schedule, if we're being honest. Uh, Arizona is not going to be sniffing a playoff anytime soon. Detroit actually impressed me. I thought they were uh, better than I thought they were going to be. But the Caps didn't really have to travel. They only had two road games. Uh, this is going to be where the rubber meets the road for the Caps in November. And I think that their defense really impresses me. We heard about Trevor Van Riemsdyk and all, you know, for a guy that never really got a chance to, to play in Carolina very much. I think he fits in nice. I think they, they all jump up in the play. Nick Jensen is playing as well as I've ever seen him, uh, even now that he doesn't have Zidane Char on as a line mate anymore. Uh, they're pretty good on defense. I think they're going to go as far as their goaltending will let them. They're going to score some goals. They've hit some injury woes that they haven't seen in years here to have Brett Leeson come up and Alexi Protus come up and to Henrik Lapierre hanging around for at least a little while longer. And I think that, you know, getting those kids is that's good because you're getting them some experience for the future when, you know, the core ages out and you need to replace them. But I see this team as a playoff team. I don't see them as a division winner, quite frankly, because I think that's going to belong to Carolina. I think the Hurricanes have no weaknesses. <laughs> I'm a little surprised at how good a start the Rangers are off to, but I'm not that surprised. I think they're going to be in the mix. The Flyers are going to be in the mix. And then there's Pittsburgh and Washington. So somebody I just said there is probably not going to make the playoffs if four teams go. And that's a really good team that's going to miss. So I think for every team out there, Washington included, every two points this year is going to matter. And I think they're, you know, potential home ice first round, second place. I, I think Carolina is just quicker. I think that's a tough matchup for them, but I think they're a playoff team. And I still think that, listen, as long as Alex Ovechkin is scoring goals around here, uh, they're never going to be out of any game they're in. Absolutely. And I think just, you know, every game that these Metro opponents and even the guys in the Atlantic have to play outside of those divisions are going to be huge just to make up points because, both of those teams could send four teams to the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you look at what the Florida Panthers have done, and then you've got Tampa Bay, you've got Toronto, and you've got Boston. I mean, if all those teams mm -hmm. make the playoffs, that's four in the other division. So that's going to limit you to four. And who knows? I mean, things can change in both divisions. But, you know, there's a real chance that, you know, if you don't have uh, if you have any sort of swoon at all uh, that, you know, you can go from feeling riding like you're riding high and you're doing a pretty good job and then suddenly you're scrapping. And don't forget, you know, for the Caps and Penguins, both older teams and a compressed schedule with the Olympics and having that month off, a lot of guys from the Caps are going to be at the Olympics. And how does that affect things? There's a lot in play that's going to be real interesting by the time we get to April. Speaking of the Olympics, you got a, a chance to go over to Pyeongchang in 2018 and call some women's hockey games. What was that experience like? It was, I, I, if you, I got the Stanley Cup and an Olympic experience in a span of about four months. So uh, it Damn was good. busy. It was crazy, <laughs> but uh, that was amazing. When did uh, you sleep? 
I, you know what? I mean, I, I missed the caps, of course, but you know what? It was nuts because I would try and keep tabs with what was going on back here, but the games were, you know, middle of the night in the morning. So a lot of times I was getting up to find out what had happened. I didn't really get to hear many of them live. It's a 14 hour time change between Pyeongchang and Washington. So it was hard, but I'll tell you, it was, I did 14 games over there and just being around what seemed like the center of everything that was being looked at on the planet at one time. And, you know, just being in the village and experiencing the culture and eating the food and you know, being able to call hockey. I mean, hockey's taken me places I never would have dreamed possible. And Vegas, after a Stanley Cup win, I couldn't have pictured that when I was in college. But here we are, a team in <laughs> Vegas, and that's where the Caps end up winning. Uh, but the same thing with being in Asia and, you know, just experiencing something so far away out your comfort zone and being there for, you know, I was there for more than three weeks. Uh, that was a, a really special time for sure. Yeah. It's a hell of a 2018, but uh, John, we really appreciate you joining us. I know uh, we're keeping you a little long here. So, um, you know, thank you again. It means a lot to us. Well, fellas, appreciate it. And uh, good luck with the show here. You're uh, lining up guests left and right. I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Big thanks to John for chatting with us. Such a nice guy. It was it was great getting to know him a little bit at the golf tournament and to catch up with him and chat now of, you know, it, it's just so cool. I mean, the guy will, I, I'll always remember that just because of the cup run, you know, his call on Kuzi's goal. How do you feel about that one personally? Uh, let's get to the next segment, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, and I admitted to him in the interview that, you know, his voice haunts me in my sleep from that Kuzi call. So yeah, I don't, I don't sleep easy listening to his voice. Yeah, well said. And I think he likes I think he likes it that way. Yeah, for sure. Well, we all do. Uh, some injuries to get to. Nikita Kucherov is going to be out eight to ten weeks following surgery on his lower body. So not the entire season like Tampa hoped. I guess they're just going to have to try and like push him down the stairs or something to make up the remainder of those injury days. Uh, William Carlson is going to be out six weeks with a broken foot. That's brutal if you're Vegas. Drew Doughty is going to miss eight weeks as he recovers from tibial plateau contusion. Just doesn't sound nice, pronunci- nice pronunciations there, Mr. Manella. Like just doesn't sound good at all. Uh, bad, bad news uh, for Caps fans out there. Oshi is week to week with a lower body injury. Uh, also in regards to the Caps, Nick Dowd is not going to play against the Bolts tonight. We're recording this on Monday, November 1st. Uh, and the Caps did recall Alexei Protoss from Hershey as a result of that. Uh, so not not good down the middle right now for Caps fans at all. Uh, Jack Hughes is out at least five more weeks with his shoulder injury than the New Jersey Devils originally thought. I don't know if he's going to have to have surgery, but he did dislocate it. So that's not good. Uh, extensions to get to real quick. Ross Johnston for the Islanders, four years at $1.1 million per. And Zach Whitecloud gets six years from the Knights at a $2.75 AAV. Uh, the speculation is that this was done to help get make a run at Jack Eichel. And then the big one that came across the wire three or four hours ago, right? Something like that. Yeah. The Toronto Maple Leafs signed defenseman Morgan Riley to an eight year contract extension with an AAV of $7.5 million. Oh my God. The drama continues to build for the stars in Toronto. Um, I sent it to you guys on Instagram. I, I'm not going to try to scroll and find it, but I think it's like five of their players, Tavares, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, and Riley will make up for like 
57% of their cap. It's well six- north of 50%. Okay. Yeah. It's not. So they're definitely making up over half the team. If I could find it, I would. I just don't feel like scrolling right now, but we'll say somewhere around 60%. I believe it's pretty close to that. Yep. That's nuts. I look, man, he deserves it. Um, and when you look at what Seth Jones just got paid and how shitty he's played so far this year, I guess you could look at this and say, Ooh, it's a bargain. Um, I think he could have probably gotten more than that too. He took kind of a hometown discount here. Likeable guy, great defenseman. Um, you know, he could skate like the wind. He can break out the puck himself. I like the move. It's just, you got to think one of those pieces is going to end up getting shifted somewhere. And I, at this I would point say, they have to, because I would say it has to be Martyr or Tavares, one of the two. Yeah. And, and this point, I think this, this contract, if they don't move one of those pieces is a franchise killer because yeah, you can keep these what five superstars. Yeah. Which is more than, you know, most other teams can afford anyways, but right. When push comes to shove, guys are going to have to be resigned, you know, Guys that aren't those five are going to have to be resigned, and you're not going to have the money to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting tactic. I'll give Dubis credit though, man. If you're a player, you probably want to put your life on the line for him. He's as loyal as they get. Uh, so we'll see how it goes in Toronto. Um, they've just won two straight, so things are looking up a little bit, but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's go ahead and to get into some gambling stuff. But before we do, I think you have a word for us from our buddies at Sharp Rank. Sure. So before we move on, we just want to remind you that this season, all of our picks are powered by Sharp Rank. Sharp Rank created the first ever cross-sport rating system, ranking bettors from any sport on one leaderboard that anyone can dominate, even you. SharpRank is backed by some of the biggest names in the sports gambling world, such as BetMGM, Betway, and Sports Illustrated. Download the free app for iPhone and Android today. Thank you, SharpRank, for sponsoring this gambling segment. So let's get into it. Just a couple things to note before we get into real specific trends. Um, Some of these teams just want to give you guys an idea of how they're doing lately. So Carolina, eight in a row, unbeaten, you already know. Red hot. Um, speaking of red hot, no pun intended, Calgary. They have the second longest winning streak in the league right behind the Canes. They've won their last six in a row. They are 6-1-1 one, and one in their last eight games. So their record, you know, I think they dropped like the first two games or something like that, but now they're starting to catch some fire. Again, no pun intended. So Calgary nice. looks really good. Um, yeah, they do. And we have a a Jacob Markstrom stat coming here shortly that'll probably explain why. Uh, Nashville won their last three. They started the season one and four, so that's good for them. Arizona, Chicago, the last two teams that are winless, they've lost their last nine. Uh, Yeah, don't really have much more to say than that. Uh, The Sharks, I touched on it earlier, but they're one and three in their last four after starting the year off, I believe, four and oh. So a little bit of turmoil that we kind of expected from them. Uh, hit a little later than we thought, but I was big on the sh- not big on the sharks, but I was liking the sharks as like value bets in the first week of the season. But I think that ship has sailed, so no longer touching that. I would say so. Um, unfortunately for me, the Penguins they've lost their last three. I know last week I said them on the money line would give you some good values with the star players out. That has not been the case for this past week, so I would start staying clear of them, especially now that Sid's back. The values are just way too high with how they're playing. Uh, and then the Jets, 
They're 4-0-1 in their last five. We said at the season previews they were going to be sick. They kind of disappointed us on opening night and then a couple games thereafter, but they've seemed to find their stride a little more here. So uh, Winnipeg is back on the good list, in my opinion. Yeah, and back on the never bet again list for me. Uh, I just I can never get a read on that team. But Ehlers looks really good. Kyle Connor looks really good. Hellebuck looks good. That's That's a team that could make some noise. So just keep an eye on them. Yes. So just to recap last week's trends, and some of them are going to translate over to this week, but McDavid over one and a half points at home. He had two games this past week, one at home, one away. The away one, he only got one, so that did not hit. That was last night on Sunday, Halloween. But the one at home, I can't remember who they played. I think it might have been Vancouver. Maybe Sounds not. Sounds right. Um, that game hit. Maybe it was Philly. I think it was Philly, actually. But last week, that hit, so that was nice. I had an irresponsible amount of money on that, so that was nice to see. Uh, Zach Hyman to score. That happened in the same game. Uh, That was at plus 200, so that one hit. Told you guys last week, him playing on that first line in power play. It's got good value if you're not trying to bet the dry side of the McDavid goals. Uh, Ilya Sorokin unders. That went 1-0 on the week. Had that on Saturday to kick off my perfect Saturday card. They played Nashville, and that game ended 3-2. Connor Garland <clears throat> point props. I haven't been keeping up with this one. I'm going to be honest, uh, full disclosure. So whatever. Um, Penn's money line, obviously just told you guys that hasn't been working. Lightning first period unders that went one and one this week. There was when we recorded last week, it hit when they played the pens and then they exploded against the Yotes. So uh, that went one and one on the week, but they do play the capitals tonight. And I might be taking that, especially with VV in net. Yep. Panthers money line say less. And then unfortunately my big pick for last week was the over in the Leafs Hawks game on Wednesday night. That did not hit. It was the over was at six. There was only five scored in the game. Uh, Jack Campbell played completely out of his mind. I watched that entire game. He looked really good in the third period. So he robbed me of that, but the McDavid props have been saving me. So nice. That's been nice. Um, This week we're going to keep it going. So we got McDavid over one and a half points at home. I'm going to bet that every home game for the Oilers this season, and I'm not even exaggerating. No, that's and as you should. When he's at home, it hits. It. I mean, yeah, there's going to be the oddball where it doesn't, or he gets one, or he gets five, you know, but it's yeah. going to happen. So that's going to be my staple all year long. Zach Kyman taking him to score again. Ilya Sorokin unders, they're 3-0 and on the season, so keep taking those. Here's a new one. Igor Shesterkin on the road this year is 4-0 and with a money. point. With a .99 GAA, I know you bet the Rangers last night. I did. He looks phenomenal. The Rangers look really good, too, after dropping the opening uh, night game to the Caps. But yeah, they look good. And that's a great stat on the road. You're going to get a little bit of better value on the unders and the Rangers uh, when they're on the road. So keep an eye out for that. He's been for sure. Really well. I had one of those nice little, you know, half the unit on the money line. Love those. Went ahead and doubled it for the value on the puck line, and it paid off. Yeah, that's always a good feeling. Uh, Calgary Flames money line. They've won six straight. And maybe take a look at the unders because Jacob Markstrom is on a 134-minute shutout streak. Uh, that's over two games. His last two games, he's had two shutouts. He said that when we announced he was the first star of the week. So the Flames look really good. Money lines and unders. I mean, as long as if Markstrom's starting, that's got to be your go-to. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, going back to the, you know, you want to talk like puck lines on the road, the flames and the Rangers right now with Shesterkin and Markstrom playing as well as they have been. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, the Lightning first period unders hit against the Pens when we were recording last week, and then they fucked it up against the Yotes because the Yotes had like a rookie goalie in, so they put up three in the first. I didn't take that one. I was about to, but thank God you guys warned me about the Yotes goaltender. Yep. <laughs> thank you. Uh, here's a new one and a really good one at that. The Dallas Stars have hit the under in every game so far this season. All eight of their contests have hit the under. Um, I'm going to pull up something here real quick. I know hopey has been playing really well. He has been. The Stars are a really interesting franchise with this kind of stuff. I know uh, last year or two years ago, maybe it was, we were like so high going into the year on their puck line bets because they have, like when you look at like a team that's going to have good puck line bets, you're looking, okay, yeah, they can score. They're a good team, solid defense, so they're not going to give up too many, and then a good goalie, and Dallas had those. And it turned out to go a little bit flat, but I think these are, it's just a team that's good for unders. It's kind of like the flyers or not, sorry, the, the Islanders, you know, uh, mm. they don't necessarily have the most running gun offensive talent, but they'll win these. Yeah. They'll win these one, nothing two to one games. So in terms of the under this season, um, Dallas is eight. No against the under. That's great. The Rangers are seven, one and one against the under. That's also really good. We just mentioned Shesterkin on the road. Large part of that Ottawa at number three, they're six and one on the year against the under that one that did not hit was against the caps. That was a complete gong show. And then Florida, Vancouver and the Islanders all tied for fifth place on the unders. So just something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, the Islanders are five, one and one. So, I like them on the unders as well. Uh, Nick, I'm going to let you take this prop because you found this gem. I did. Tyler Bertuzzi shots on goal, the over, under, whatever your site has. Uh, if it's a two, take it. Because this through seven games this year, this guy had 20 shots on net. Yes, and I believe he's hit it almost every game, if not yeah, every so game. So. Do math, and yeah, the numbers come out pretty good for you there. Uh, the other one I want to talk about is if you are going to be putting in player props like this, do yourself a favor and look at the team around them. You know, it's easy to go, oh, this guy's like a really, really talented scorer. He's probably going to have a goal tonight. Uh, but if their team's garbage and they might not be getting, you know, power play time or something like that, you know, they, it, it could just be a really, really bad hockey team. They could get scored on a ton. And because of that, they're down a ton. That player doesn't get ice time. There's a ton of variables that go into it. But I think, Harry, a great example of this is the McDavid prop is so good because the Oilers have that offensive talent. If he's not scoring himself, he's got Dreisaitl. He's got Hyman. He's got Pugliarvi. Same goes if you're going to do a player prop it, you know, for the Leafs. Yeah, the Leafs have... Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Morgan Riley, but the depth is lacking a little bit. Yeah, the Caps have Ovi and, you know, Backstrom when he's healthy, but yeah, you know, they tend to get scoring from kind of random places sometimes. So these are just things that you want to think about going into the season. Um, Random stat, and I'm only saying it because you mentioned the Oilers, their power play is operating at 50% so far this season. So absolutely lethal. I'd love to see the home numbers on that too. So that really wraps it up for the uh, the gambling trends that we think you guys should be keeping an eye on. I say it all the time, but McDavid one and a half is the best bet in sports right now when he's at home. So you're not um, wrong. I, I will be taking that tonight. Uh, Nick, let just a little uh, different segment. I want to start doing some power rankings. Sure. So for the end of October, here is where we stand in my opinion in terms of the top five teams. 
Carolina has to be number one. They're the last undefeated team. Panthers haven't lost in regulation. They're number two. The last three on here, you can kind of interchange, but I have the Oilers three. I have them above the Flames because they beat the Flames. Um, so I have Oilers three, St. Louis four, and Calgary five. That's who I think the top five teams are right now. Okay, interesting. So I'm going to agree with your top two. So Cats and Canes uh, in reverse order. So Canes one, Cats two. I, in good conscience, can't say that the Oilers are a top five team right now, just because I know what I know is going to happen with them. Something in my head is saying no. I'm going to go ahead and say the Blues are my number three team. I think they look dangerous right now. Mm-hmm. And sort of in a similar light, because it's the Flames, I'm going to put the Flames at four. I think the Blues will have a little bit more of a long run consistency than the Flames will. And then to round off that fifth spot, that's tough. You could honestly choose the Caps, the Rangers. Honestly, right now, with how well they're playing, I'm going to say the Red Wings. The Red Wings. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Over the Oilers. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, someone is not uh, slurping, but they're serving in Edmonton. So The Red Wings are third in the Atlantic, man. Don't sleep on them. I'm not saying yeah. they're going to make the playoffs or be like real, but I think you know how they've been playing as of late. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, that kind of does it for this episode, folks. Nick, do you have any final notes? I miss Mac. It's definitely different without Mac. I will say. Yeah. Miss our buddy. Uh, I don't really have anything else before we wrap up. Uh, got anything fun going on this week? Not really, dude. Um, just hunkering down, getting ready to go back to Mexico in a couple weeks this time for vacation. So that'll be a nice little break. Attaboy. Um, other than that, just trying to keep making money on this shit, you know? Over one and a half. Yep. And te- That's the only Tesla- way to do it. And Tesla stock, apparently. So yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you know, you know. Oh, sounds good. All right, everybody. Well, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back with you for our 100th episode next week. Keep an eye out on the social media. Go check out our store at www.emptybetters.com to check out the full merch drop. Thank you for listening. And without further ado, class dismissed. Class dismissed.